Welcome to CYA with Rhonda. CYA means cover your assets, and Rhonda will help explain in today's show what that really means. The insurance industry has a lot of information as to what is covered and what's not. How do you put the pieces back together after a devastating loss? How do you know what the right coverage is? And if you're interested in the insurance field as a career, how do you get started? It's a lot to cover. So let's get started now. Here's your host, Rhonda Lukey. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone's doing good this morning. I want to say welcome to Seaway with Rhonda. I am Rhonda, and I'm here to help you cover your assets. Give you a little bit about me. I've been in the insurance industry for a little over 17 years now. I've managed everything from small claims to multi-million dollar claims, um, including working catastrophe claims, special investigations, litigations. Prior to that, I worked for, and everyone knows it, what do I call it? The dark side. I worked as a paralegal for a plaintiff's attorney. Um, We used to submit the claims to the carriers, sometimes in litigation. But I've seen both sides of the fence. I think there's good and bad to both, and it's just uh, a matter of informing people what to look for, what to know, and working together. I want to thank everyone again for joining me today because I have David Chips with Chips & Associates. Um, David, hello. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, Rhonda. Good to talk to you. Good, good. Um, Everyone, Dave is a cohort of mine who um, I have worked with on multiple, multiple claims for special investigations. Um, Dave, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a retired Shaker Heights police officer, and um, from there I moved on to the CNA Insurance Company to be a special investigator in Ohio and um, worked for them for about 10 years. Really learned insurance from uh, two of my... uh, um, litigation supervisors, and uh, every day at lunch we would sit and talk about insurance because police work and insurance is certainly different subjects. But um, it was really good to know people that are really smart that are willing to help you get started in the business, and was very fortunate there. But uh, after ten nice. years, I uh, started my own business, Dave Chips and Associates, and I've done mm-hmm. work for many, many major insurance companies across the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to tell you, Dave, I, I love working with you and people. You're going to hear the real Rhonda and Dave. Uh, Rhonda and Dave have had way too many SIU claims together, um, way too much entertainment together. But fraud is huge to me, SIU. And by the way, SIU, Special Investigation Unit. That's what you're going to hear me refer to it a lot on the show. Um, it's very, very important to me in the industry because, as I've explained this before, it's, it's a piggy bank theory people. Let's picture a big piggy bank uh, filled with money. The insurance industry has to cut a check because of a loss. The piggy bank gets depleted a little bit. How do they refill it? Well, everyone pitches in a little bit. That's where your premiums, you're like, I never turned in a claim. Why did my premium go up five bucks? Or hopefully it's only five, but you know. Um, So part of combating and helping the general public in this is fighting fraud. Um, Dave, being a police investigator and coming to this side, um, talk to me what it's like an uh, average day in the life of a private investigator. Well, as a rule, we get our claims from claims departments, whether it's the claims manager or the desk adjuster. And um, we usually get a phone call and say, hey, I've got this. What do you think? And it could be as simple as um, a missing diamond ring or it could be a 200 or $2.5 million fire. 
So it really uh-huh. gives a wide variance of uh, claims coming in. And okay. each one of them has its own little steps that you have to go through, uh, most of which is we start with a good background investigation on the insured. And mm-hmm. um, the other part of this is the policy. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned before about learning insurance, the policy is where all this thing starts because there are it's a business contract between the insured and the company, and yep. you're supposed to follow the rules on both directions. So that's pretty much where we go to. And then uh, yep. we go out and talk with people and um, mm-hmm. do our research and uh, then keep communicating with the adjuster or the claims manager or the attorney who's involved. Right, exactly. And what I love that you said there, uh, Dave, is uh, there's two parts to this. The insurance contract people, it's a contract. Your policy is a contract. There's two sides of this. Uh, The carrier has just as much responsibility to investigate it objectively and thoroughly as you are to cooperate in the investigation. Um, You as the insured. Correct. You as the insured. You need to cooperate. Um, Why? Well, we'll get in that in a little bit here. But um, Dave, talk to me. For my people out there, part of the reason why I do this show is, is to encourage some people to get into the insurance business. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Let's be honest. SIU is fun. It is. It's never a dull moment. If you think claims aren't dull, SIU is not dull, people. Um, well, there's it, always there's, something. There's, two, <laughs> there's always two sides to both stories here. Um, oh, okay. Well, our, let's hear it, Dave. Give me your, give me your those, version. Those of us <laughs> in the insurance business for more than two weeks realize that the insurance company is in constant change. Yes. Um, oh, and yes. it's either... It's either rules or regions or managers mm-hmm. or, or, you know, major issues mm-hmm. coming from home office. Agreed. And in, in fact, I just got caught up in one of those. I had a 19-year client that uh, the uh, new CEO came in, so they decided to go with national vendor rather than local vendors. So yeah, I hate that. My, it, it, and I get the business part of it, you know, but when I really look at it is, um, you know, we did the service that they requested that we do for all those years, and I had four days' notice. So yeah, that's yeah. business. That's the business side. But mm-hmm. while we're on this, let's 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 talk about what this part is, because um, you, as an insured, will have a claim. It comes in, gets to an adjuster, and it gets out and it gets evaluated as to how they're going to handle this. And um, the fact that an adjuster has some concerns many times is a confusion on the part of the insured where they mm-hmm. don't understand they don't understand insurance lingo or the policy itself mm-hmm. and when they don't understand they may say the wrong thing on the phone and Sally adjuster takes that as possible fraud or possible exactly. concerns that she might have and, and yeah let's talk about but, fraud it's not that we think it's fraud i think we identify it as a red flag meaning you know we have to dot every I and cross every T on the claim side. If there's something that pops up that we're like, what? Okay, we just call it a red flag. Not that it's a horrible thing. Yeah, red flag, I guess, does sound bad. But it's something that lets us say, wait, we do have a question that we at least need an answer to. It's not that we're going, oh, this must be fraud. Swear, people. Certainly. We don't do that. But go ahead, and the, Dave. And the, Sorry, uh, cut you off. One of, those, one of those early red flags is um, calling in the claim late. Um, and uh, you know the insurer doesn't know really what to do, and life gets in the way, and they forget. And you know a month later she calls us and says, "Hey, I had a claim. I had a break break in a month ago." And da da da. Mm-hmm. And that, that happens. Starting off, yeah, all the time it happens, and you're starting off mm-hmm. with you know a red flag that says late referral. 
Uh-huh. So it can, if you get one or two more of those red flags, then it gets bumped up a bit to the, the SIU coordinator or the SIU person in that particular office. Exactly. And they look at that. And, it's, and, and when the other question that you must, most of you need to understand is when they say they're going to send somebody out, the goal of the insurance company is to validate the claim starting off. They want exactly. to validate the claim so you get paid because you're, you're, that's what they're in business for. They're in their insurance business to insure you to make sure that they can make you whole or close to whole. Exactly. So I can't stress that enough, people. Dave, i got to stop you here. Have, have you ever heard me, when a claim comes in, and, and don't get me wrong, people, we, we laugh, we giggle at things, but it's not like when the claim comes in, I'm like, Dave, go get this guy. Go out there and get him. No, it's Dave. I have questions. You need to get me answers. We are not out there to get you, people. I swear. Keep going, Dave. Sorry. And, and that's, you know, when we, and I've walked into thousands and thousands of houses and say, I'm an investigator and we need to talk. And I try to handle that so they understand that they're the insured and respect that fact. And we need them to cooperate as best as they can. And sometimes you don't know, you can't remember, or you lost receipts, things like that. And, and that's human, okay? Mm-hmm. And yep. as we work the file back and forth between the adjuster um, or the examiner like, like Rhonda was, you know, slowly we chip away, find the pieces, and many times we'll say, hey, this is a good claim, pay it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On, on, on the flip side of that, the ones that get concerning where, you know, you, you take a statement from somebody and you know they're not telling you the truth. And you work a little harder on the file and you talk to somebody else and you then validate the fact that they are lying to you. And now mm-hmm. we're in a whole different ballpark because oh, yeah. now we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And over a year's time, I think the current number somewhere is like a billion dollars in fraud every year through the insurance business. So. Exactly. And fraud can be, I, I mean, fraud, we've had ones, Dave, where it's been piddly because they've bumped up their, you know, they may say I, I had a um, I had a fire loss and I lost, um, uh, it may be a true fire. Let's say they have an electrical fire and they have a true fire. I know we have to giggle because everyone uses the pat. Oh, it was electrical that caused it. But uh, let's say they have an electrical fire and, you know, their contents burned up. They really may have only had 50,000 contents, but son of a gun. They actually had five million when their list comes in. You know, they had all those expensive furs that burned up and things of that nature. So you have the soft fraud where they have a true loss that's covered, but they pad stuff. Um, you also have um, the true fraud frauds where it may have not even happened, or they've staged it, or whatever it may be. Um, talk to me, Dave. What are what are some some items? that you ask for uh, people to give you when you go out there? I know you, you've you done marvelous statements for me, marvelous statements. What are some other items when you're out there you ask uh, people to give you on your investigations? Well, one of the things that we try and do is know the answers to questions before we ask them in the statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that we use that to gauge the veracity of our insureds, um, either who's ever given the statement, because... We, we have to feel solid that we're getting straight stuff from the insured. And let's digress here one second. Please. If, if you do have a claim, the most important thing is just say you have a claim, tell them the truth, give them the documents that they have. If you don't have them, explain to them why you don't have them. And you'll have no problems with your claim file as long exactly. as you're being truthful and giving them the stuff that they want on a timely basis because that's all you're required to do by your contract. Your, your insurance policy. 
Exactly. And haven't we had claims together where the person, it is a legit claim, but because of the circumstances surrounding it and maybe what the people do for a living or into, they might lie about something that they didn't need to lie about. It, it had nothing to do with the policy and coverage, but they overthought it and thought, oh, I don't want to tell them about this. They'll think this or that. And they lie for no reason. Just yeah, Usually it, that comes into when we start talking about income and how they pay for things. Yes. Uh, and many, yeah. many times we have a legitimate claim, but they can't substantiate the fact that they're not insured and they have income. And mm-hmm. as all of you know, you can have various kinds of income and not report it, or you can be in pharmaceutical uh, yeah. sales and not report it. Okay. Oh, wait, pharmaceutical so sales, many, many are those the kind that I actually go into the store you're talking about, Dave, or those are the pharmaceuticals on the corner? Uh, no, those are not in the store. Oh, oh, those type, yeah. See, they don't generally report those to the IRS, I've found. Yeah, you're right, no. you're right. Okay, and keep going. Hey, yeah. So, those issues come up, but again, we, we try and validate the claim itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that, hey, they had a fire, it was accidental, and, you know, then they move forward on this claim. Now, are we suspicious about, you know, receipts and things like that that they send in because they may have this large income that they can't verify, but they've got, you know, all the nice clothes, all the nice shoes, you know, all that stuff in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, that's when you guys get involved as adjusters. You make a decision on how much you're going to pay for and how much you're not going to pay for. Mm-hmm. But we, we come back with you and say, hey, legit fire, we're suspicious of receipts. We help you work through those receipts by going out and verifying that this was purchased or wasn't purchased. Or even many times we go there, I'm looking at a receipt that's supposed to be for Jim Smith, and we pull up the original receipt, and it's from Sally Jones. Yes. So, again, yes. that's fraud if you want to go to the extent of that, okay? But we learn later that she lived in this house with this guy and gave him this particular garment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, it's in-depth investigation. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of communication between the adjuster or the examiner and the SIU person. Yeah, which I want to go back to that because you'd said something earlier, and I I have several cohorts in the business who feel the way that I do, um, and a lot of the cohorts are on your side being a vendor uh, for the insurance carrier. You'd mentioned, you know, how, how these insurance carriers, and this is the truth, people, um, insurance carriers, they want to be cost effective to bring premiums down, to earn their money. It's a business. I'm good with that. But a lot of them are, are taking vendors who are, for lack of a better term, mom and pop stores um, and turning them away and going to a vendor program where they'll have a national company and the national company will come out and say, hey, we'll be your vendor. We're great because, you know, we're in all 50 states. Yeah, we regulate it. Da, da, da. And it's great and wonderful. And they give you better pricing, bulk pricing or degree pricing, whatever. Um, but something you mentioned, Dave. These carriers are turned over and doing that left and right. And for my insurance people, my people in the business, um, I know you feel the same way that I do because our hands have been tied by it. We like our mom and pops. Why? These are the people who have done it for years. They have the experience. They know what they're doing. And with your vendor, you really do need some type of relationship to be on the same page to investigate a claim, manage a claim and handle it the right way and when you just go to a national vendor I, I just want to throw in my gripe there people because I love the mom and pop shops um, uh, and it's not that they're small but compared to when you say bring in the national vendors and uh, Chips and Associates out of Cleveland, Ohio I gotta tell you 
I've taken Dave to, where have I sent you, Dave? Missouri, Texas. Did I send you to Florida? Tennessee. Tennessee. No. Oh, Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. You wouldn't let me stop at Elvis's place, by the way. I was still upset. That's okay. Anyway, um, I for my insurance peeps who are in the business, I, you know, guys, if you have an opportunity to talk to your manager or anything to say, look, let's, let's for this claim, you know, we got a lot going on. I know we have a national vendor program. I don't have a relationship with, you know, this vendor real well. I haven't worked a lot. If you get an opportunity to find those mom and pop shops and use them, use them. They're great resources. They are invaluable. They're generally your best product. Um, and yes, Rhonda digresses again, but Dave is used to this with me on investigations. Um, we got about a minute and a half to go, Dave. Um, I want to step back in when we come back from break about what it's like when you walk into a person's house and some additional documentation you might be asking them for. Um, but real quick, give me, give, me, uh, give, me, give me three skills you need to be an investigator. What do you think? Well, you have to understand the the insured is your is your client, and you treat them that way. You have to be trained in observations, and you have to understand that people are people. And if you treat people well, they're usually going to treat you well. And then do you do your homework, do your follow ups, you know, make sure you're doing your research correctly, and verify and validate what you're investigating because that's the most important thing. Okay, so and I agree with you 100. percent So would you say? A, uh, someone who is a curious person would be a good investigator, you think? You think? I, I'm not sure that's a good statement. I really am not. Really? Yeah, if you have the proper training, okay, mm-hmm. and, and you go through the steps of investigation, you know, curious is, is a word. It's, it's not a profession, and, and that's where the investigator Agreed. is a profession. Oh. Nope. Agreed wholeheartedly, Dave, and you are absolutely right. Um, I couldn't agree more. So, hey, well, we have just a few seconds here. Let me tell you one, mm-hmm. one quick thing I wrote down here. Yeah, uh, when, when people have a fire at their house, many times the fire department comes in and they put the fire out and they set up. It's a high fire. It's electrical. Okay? Yeah, normal. Many, 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 many times they're wrong. They just, they're not investigators. They put fires out. So if you happen mm-hmm. to be a victim of a fire and you hear the firemen say, you know, it's an electrical fire. Take away the grain of salt because their experts haven't been in yet, and then the insurance experts haven't been in, and it may be a different call, um, and could be in a totally different part of the house. So, no, you're absolutely right, and that is a that's a very unfortunately common thing to happen. Very common. Okay, everyone, um, we're going to take a short break here. Um, if uh, if you could come right back with us because Dave's going to give us a scoop on uh, some items he may ask for when he comes to your door knocking, asking for some stuff. Um, And I'll be honest with you, we're going to do a little bit of story time too, aren't we, Dave? You are. (laughs) We are. (laughs) When we come back with C-Wave with Rhonda of Voice America. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to CYA with Rhonda. To reach Rhonda Lukey or her guest today, you're welcome to call in to the live program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Want to drop us an email instead? Send it to CYA with Rhonda at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming back with us. Um, here this morning, I have Dave Chips with Chips and Associates. Dave, um, if you're just now joining us, Dave is ex-law enforcement and special investigations, private investigator for the last, oh, let's see, since 2000. Um, he's a cohort of mine who has helped me on multiple, multiple claims for special investigations, um, i.e. fraud. Anyway. So uh, I promised everyone when we came back, Dave, you're going to help us out because as much as we say this and as many times as we've told people on the phone, hey, I I thank you for your claim. I've taken a look at it. I have some questions. I'm going to send out Dave to talk to you um, to help follow up with some documentation questions for me. Dave shows up at their door, says, hi, I'm Dave. I'm Special Investigations. The person, first thing they do is panic, I'm sure, and go, what, what, why, what, and panic. Um, don't people like Dave said we're here to help you we're here to validate your claim just tell us the truth give us the information we need and you move forward but people get shocked at what information we can sometimes ask for Dave give us some examples of what you would ask for out there well one of the things first of all that we, we try not to shock the clients I know that's difficult at times but we <laughs> let them know you know we make appointment with them at their convenience mm-hmm. And many times it's 11 o'clock at night or 5.30 in the morning, depending on where we're at. But we mm-hmm. try to make them feel at home. We try and make sure that they're, uh, you know, understanding that we're there just to uh, validate the claim. And 
we ask for many things at times, but we try to make it as straightforward as we can. Um, the authorization that the insurance industry uses um, is pretty intensive as far as what it asks for. Banking records, utility records, uh, mortgage records. Um, there's probably 15 things listed on this. And you, when you sign that, you're allowing the insurance investigator on behalf of the insurance company to take that document to the banks or to the electric company and get records uh, for their investigation. And just while we're on that subject, um, mm-hmm. we're, we might want uh, many times in the inner city of uh, bigger losses or bigger fires, but um, we go to the utilities company to verify that somebody was actually living in the house. Yep. Because if you're not using electricity and you're not using water, then nobody's living in the house. And that's part of one of the, um, we think talked about earlier, is the, the policy says that the um, dwelling has to be occupied. Mm-hmm. And that's another one of those red flags that says nobody's living there and possibly burned it for profit. Mm-hmm. But during this application or the authorization form, um, we talk through it and explain to them what we're doing and making sure that they understand what we're going to do with it. Uh, some of them will tell you, I don't want to sign that, and, and we come back with this as part of the documentation that the insurance company requires. You must do that or your coverage might be declined. Mm-hmm. And we still have people decline until they have their attorney look at it, and that's fine. We can always come back and do it at a later time. So. Exactly. While we're Your there, claim doesn't. Well, let's stop there. And like you said, we can come back ahead. and do that at a later time. And I'm thinking through my head. I don't think I've ever had a claim where I've had somebody say, "No, I'm not going to sign it." They get their attorney, and gee, they say, "We're still not going to sign it." And we say, "Oh, sure, okay, no problem. Let's pay your claim." It doesn't happen. So you might as well cooperate upfront, people, and give them the facts. It, it, we're just trying to help you. Go ahead, Dave. And if- and, if, and again, if, if you're concerned about something on the authorization that you don't want us to know, that again raises a red flag that says, what are they hiding? So mm-hmm. my, my suggestion is, you know, have it, have it signed by yourself or an attorney, whatever you, you, you'd like, and, and let the insurance company move forward because they have to and, do that part of their job. So. And on that same, we've had a lot of these because Dave and I, I'm a property chick, as people, you've heard me say, I'm a property person. I didn't do bodily injury uh, for special investigation on that part. So um, mine was all property. So when I would send Dave out and ask him, you know, have him sign this to get this information, a lot of carriers will have blanket authorization to obtain information forms, meaning the form will ask for not only bank records, um, mortgage company info, and all of that, but it'll also ask for medical records where depending on the claim, and each claim stands on its own, as well as investigation and what you may need to ask for. But the majority of the time, if not all, I'm trying to think of any instance where I needed it. On that form where it says we're getting medical records, I wouldn't need them. The insured would say, wait a minute, my house burnt down. Why do you need my medical records? Great. And my my answer to that, that, Rhonda, is on one occasion, one of my investigations, the homeowner was actually blown out the back door because he had so much so much gas inside the house that it blew him out the back door, saved his life. Oh my gosh! Holy crap! There, there, there is a reason for that having medical. Injuries. See? Okay, so there you go, I, Dave. You taught me something new yet again, and I think you've done that on every claim we've ever had. I love it. I love it. That makes sense. Yeah, to find out, you know, to get the records. Where I take it back. I take it back, Dave. 
we had one other together. I, it's just now coming to me in um, Texas um, that we had where the um, insured, the spouse, was burned. Um, and we needed those records to verify some information um, on the loss and how it happened. So I take it back, people. That is in there. But for the majority of time, it, we wouldn't use it on property. But my point to that is anything in there, like Dave said, you know, we're still going to ask for it even after you get your attorney. If there's something in there that you don't want to share, one, it raises a red flag to us. But two, tell us why you don't want to share it. Say, you know, hey, my house burned down. I, you know, why do you want my medical records? Is, is there something I don't want to share it? Because maybe the person has something, you know, medical records are a private thing and they may not want to share that. But it, at least communicate with us and tell us why or, or something as opposed to saying, no, I'm not giving you that. You know, Rhonda, we, in one case or two cases now, I think about it, um, someone was objecting to one, I think it was a banking record, and it had to do with he was in the middle of a divorce and didn't want funding notes <laughs> available to his wife. Okay, ex- uh, be ex- huh? so mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's line that one out, okay, and we'll, we'll let your attorney address that. How's that? So that's what we did. I exactly. got what I needed, okay, move forward with the investigation, uh, and, and eventually, you know, his attorney came forward and said, hey, I have this information, I can show it to you, I do not want this published, and uh, we got what we needed as far as verifying his net worth, he wasn't doing this for, you know, for profit, so. Exactly, and, and all he did was have to tell you, explain it to you, we work, you know, you work around it, if here's, okay, do you still get the information, and it's simple, people. But if that person had just said, um, no, I'm not telling you, I'm not giving you that, and just absolutely refused and, and didn't tell you anything further, then yes, people, it raises another red flag. And so now we have to question again. And, um, and just to continue on that process is mm-hmm. if you refuse, the insurance company is going to write you a letter telling you what I already told you is that this is going to jeopardize your coverage. Mm-hmm. Because uh, most policies, and here's my disclaimer, people. No two policies are the same, even in the same company in the same state. Everything can change depending on the endorsements and everything. But most policies will actually have the wording under the duties that says you have a duty to cooperate. Well, let's define that. Cooperate? Cooperate with me. I'm asking you a question. I want you to answer it. That's cooperation. Some policies, I've actually seen some that don't have that language in there, but they have other language that will still back it, that will say, you must still give us anything we ask for, which essentially is the same thing. Just work with your carrier, people. That's all you got to do. Okay, so you're out there, Dave. You've asked for some an authoriz- authorization to obtain information. Um, what other things might you ask for or do in the investigation um, that an insured may, may bulk at? Well, we will ask them for a recorded statement. And uh, in that recorded statement, we identify the claim number, where we are, why we're taking this statement. And it's uh, usually, depending on the loss, it could be a half hour or it could be an hour and a half or two hours, depending on what the details are that we're actually searching for. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once we're done with that, we will uh, then photograph. If it's a property loss issue, you know, we photograph the outside and the inside of the house, again, trying to show how this perpetrator got in or if he got in and B, showing what's inside the house that would uh, 
indicate that the the wealth that the insured is claiming is available to be stolen. Mm-hmm. So, if you understand my language there. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in other words, people, don't claim your $10,000 diamond ring got stolen when your couch uh, came from Walmart five years ago and is falling apart and you can't get a new one. We, yeah. We have to question. We have to question it. Yeah. And it just asks for, if, <clears throat> pardon me, if, uh, if in fact that is what we see, you know, then we go deeper into the financial side of things and where it came from. And if we can't get the verification that we need from the insured, we ask the insured to go to wherever he purchased it or she purchased it and get the verification. So, mm-hmm. again, that's a requirement that they have on that. So, Exactly. Now, uh, I know sometimes what, we, we've done some poking and prodding uh, with people, and I've done it personally on my end before I even involved uh, SIU, um, depending on if it was something simple I thought I could verify with a quick phone call. There's times I've asked for it. Dave, I know, and again, people, I can't say enough things about Dave as an investigator. I wish I'd met him day one in the insurance because he has—he's come through with me on every claim, every single claim. When I say come through, he's given me answers, not that we've nailed somebody or or got him for fraud. No, he's given me answers. That to me is coming through. Anyway, um, I digress. One one of the things though that I love Dave for is he is truly hands on. And Dave will ask him, and this will get people upset. What? So, who are you with Friday night? What's their name? What's their telephone number? Where do they live? And he'll go out and talk to them. Let's, you know, they're going to be a resource. Who are some other people, you know, friends, family? Uh, I know you hit people up uh, uh, for the insured. Who else do you ask the insured about, Dave, or, or other people that the insured may not want to give up information on, maybe an employer? Well, yeah, we, we ask about if they're having any, any difficulties with anybody in relationships or at work or family member that might want to do this, whether it's break in and steal something or burn the house down. We, we try mm-hmm. to cover all the bases as far as who, what, when, where, uh, and then we get to the why, and we ask that question. Why do you think somebody would do this? Mm-hmm. And who do, you think, who do you think might do this? And the, the very bottom of our statements in each one of these is, have you understood all of our questions today? And the answer would be yes or no. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you think might be important to the insurance company investigation that we haven't talked about at all? And that one's golden. And many times they're going to say, of course, no. But the fact of the matter is we find out later on that something else was going on that they didn't want to give to us. Okay. Exactly. And again, it goes back to another huge red flag. And it might point us in the right direction. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But after and we get done with the statement, we go out with Canvas. And we talk to neighbors on the street, behind them, okay? And sometimes it takes us two or three trips there to get the information. But we make sure we cover all those bases and, um, and lock down what information we have, including one of those questions that not many people ask, oh, what kind of cars do you see parked there? Ah, and, you and taught me that one. We want the reason we want that is because we want to know who's coming and going. Now, if, if this lady lives there and her house was burned and she drives a black SUV, but usually there's a purple, you know, Ford there, you know, we go back to the insured at that point and say, who drives a purple Ford? Exactly. That may be the, that may be the fact that she did not want to give up who that was, her boyfriend or whatever. Exactly. And this is information that you end up getting from somebody else. Yeah. And it gets deeper and deeper as they keep digging. We give them more shovels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, 
What's the key phrase here, people? Just be upfront, honest, give them the whole scoop. If you do that, and it's a legit claim, shouldn't be any problem. It's the ones that, yeah, unfortunately are not legit claims. They are out there. Um, okay, let's let's go into some story time, Dave. Let's go into story time. Um, let's, let's do one more thing first, if it's okay. Please, please. Talk, let's talk to the insurance industry right now. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. see, we're seeing many, many, many more undetermined cause and origins. Oh, because, yes. of nine, because of 921, they changed in the language things, and the attorneys pushed it. So we're getting... And let's be, let's be clear on 921, NFP 921 okay. people. Go Which ahead, Dave. The, the fire Bible for investigations of mm-hmm. uh, fires in the United States. Mm-hmm. And... The cause and origin people are caught between a rock and a hard place because of some of the language that's in there and some of the lawsuits that have been filed. And it's very difficult for them to say, for them to say that this is an outright arson fire. Mm-hmm. Many, mm-hmm. many times the insurance company says, okay, we don't have a cause because it comes back as an undetermined fire, which means they don't, don't know where exactly or how exactly. Um, and they are shy about going forward in investigation. And mm-hmm. when we come back after this break, we'll tell you a couple things about what we found by investigating those and how we were able to turn <laughs> that around uh, and use it for uh, really good evidence in, um, in our cases. So. No, and that, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect, Dave. All right, people, stay tuned because we're, we're going to give you some examples there uh, of some of those cases we've done um, and some, yeah, some interesting and entertaining moments that we've had um, on a couple claims that will give you some examples on that. So um, grab another cup of coffee, come back in just a minute and join us with Dave Chips. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
You are listening to CYA with Rhonda. To reach Rhonda Lukey or her guest today, you're welcome to call in to the live program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Want to drop us an email instead? Send it to CYA with Rhonda at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. Well, hello, everyone. Hopefully you got a cup of coffee. I know I had to go heat mine up. Um, we're back here with Dave Chips. He is my favorite SIU, Special Investigator, PI. Um, hello, Dave. Did you come back? Hello. Did you get your coffee? Got it. See, we're ready to rock and roll. Hey, when we left off, we were talking about undetermines. Um, and when I say undetermines, we're talking about undetermines in fire. We pull out those cause and origin people, and, and sometimes they're able to... Um, determine what happened. Occasionally there's times that they can't determine it. And hopefully all my insurance people and carriers are using an actual investigator who knows what they're doing. Not just, uh, hey, got a vendor program. Let's just throw someone out there who's never done it before. I can't stress that enough. Anyway, so let's say we do get that great investigator out there and we have had some marvelous investigators and we've had some bad ones on our claims together. But when they come back as undetermined, meaning we really can't and figure out what happened, um, then we still have to ask the questions. We know we had a fire, but if we don't know what caused it, we need to narrow it down as much as possible, right, Dave? Correct. All right, talk to me. Let's talk about let's talk about our stories. Well, two two issues come to bear immediately: is what was what was is there a motive here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, one of these we'll talk about here in a minute. It was a $1.5 million loss down in Tennessee. And um, the owner was on vacation, and a friend of his was in the house doing some woodworking, and the fire started, and it burned the house down. And he also had a business on the premise that was um, burned in, was in the same building, burned totally. So mm-hmm. and we get let's... a call from, go ahead. <clears throat> no, but I don't want to tell, well, I, I am going to tell him what the, I bring up this claim a lot, people. I won't lie to you, just because this is probably one of those storytelling claims. It's one of the best ones in the history of arson investigations um, because the ultimate result we got here and what we found out. But I have to tag along with this. So as Dave said, we got the insured on vacation. So nobody's there except for a person he was letting stay in his house who was also running a business out of the basement. And the insured's business, I've got to tell you what he did, because it's kind of relevant here and kind of funny. Um, Again, it's a fire loss. His business, go ahead, Dave, tell him what his business did. He was in the business of training people to go out to restaurants and clean their um, grease ventilators. And he would actually build the machinery, put it on a trailer, and kind of give you a key to the business. He'd send you out there and you know, go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. So he'd bring people in. He'd bring people into his his uh, classroom, give them a week of training, uh, and have them use the equipment. And then he would sell them, you know, the equipment that they would need. And then they would go out and have their own business of cleaning uh, mm-hmm. grease traps. Exactly. So basically, he was teaching people how to clean um, the ansol systems and grease traps, things of that nature. Or I shouldn't say clean the ansol systems. Uh, that's a separate service. But to clean to clean up underneath the hoods and that, um, but a lot of this was uh, surrounded the fire extinguishers 
that he sold um, or he sold the fire extinguishers. He teach people how to um, recharge them, how to use fire extinguishers. And on this particular night uh, in the room of origin, how many fire extinguishers did we find there, Dave? Um, there must have been 30 in the room, but we don't know how many of them were working. Right. So it's just kind of comical that the place that burned was the place that teaches you how to put out the fire. And the person who was there on site at the time, being his friend while he was on vacation, actually had attended his classes and knows how to use the extinguishers. But, you know, why pick up one? So, yeah, that might be a red flag. Yeah, he was actually a professor at this place, if I remember right. <laughs> he taught? I didn't remember. <laughs> I think you're right, Nelly, you said that. <laughs> so let me get this straight, dude. You teach people okay. how to use a fire extinguisher, how to put it out. You walked back into the room. You saw the flame about three foot high, 30 fire extinguishers standing around you, and you didn't know what to do. Dude, we're revoking your license. I'm just saying. I want my money back on this class because apparently you have no clue what you're doing. Okay, so where do we go from there, Dave? We found out that that's what we had there. What else do we know about this one? Well, a $1.5 million claim. We also found out that the guy in the that was his friend operating a wood shop in the basement had recently applied for and obtained a $1 million liability policy. That's right. The week before the fire, he purchased yeah. a million-dollar liability policy for his new business he started with no business cards, no no sales, yeah. no anything. And, and what Listing did he do for as a beneficiary. Oh, yeah, darn. Gee, why not, you know? And, well, and the story goes something like this. About 2 o'clock in the morning, he was down in this basement area working on his wood shop, and he went to move a bag of sawdust from the planer, and he put it over near the hot water tank. And, <laughs> and by the way, what was wrong with the hot water tank? Well, it was, it was on a 20 inches of concrete block off the floor. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he tells us that he went out to go outside for a minute, have a cigarette or something, and comes back in and he discovers the fire and he tries to put it out and he can't get it put out. So he runs around to the front of the building. Now, we learn later that his, this insured mom and dad lived 500 feet up the road, but he mm-hmm. never ran to that house to call somebody. His cell mm-hmm. phone didn't work because it was in his apartment upstairs. And... So he ran down to the road and was trying to flag down cars. The first notification of the fire was a gentleman driving on his way to work. And he saw (laughs) the flames and pulled into the driveway and he had to drive a couple hundred feet up the driveway. And then he sees this guy standing there, which turns out to be the guy that was in the basement. Mm -hmm. He's the one that calls in the fire. The fire wouldn't have been called in if it had to have been for him. Being the driver, the passerby called it in. Passerby, yes. Not even, not even the friend who saw it, who failed to put it out, running around screaming in the yard, but don't bother running up the hill to get the neighbor, the mom and pop, mom and dad up there, say, hey, call 911 or anything. Um, instead, and, and I think he even told the guy, uh, the passerby, asked him if he was okay or have you called the fire department. And what, it was some reply, what was it, Dave? Like, no or eh. My phone doesn't work. Yeah, my phone, did, he just wasn't. Alarmed at all. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Real casual about it. Um, but, okay, so, because I, I got it. This is just so much fun, people. You have no idea. So, 
obviously we get we get this loss. I get Dave out there and say, okay, I've got questions. I have five million questions, um, mainly because of what we already know so far. We got a few issues there. The insured's not on site. Um, the friend was on site. Should have been able to reasonably do something, at least call nine one one, as opposed to letting the building burn down to the ground completely. So we had questions. Um, Dave, you did some digging. What was the other? What are some other fun filled facts on this one that we had? The dogs. Well, yeah, we took we took a, a detailed statement from both of those individuals, the insured and his uh, cohort downstairs, and there's some questions that they couldn't answer. Uh, one one kept saying, "Well, I was away. I don't know," and all this kind of stuff. But um, we got detailed information enough to know that the insured owned other properties, so. We started looking at other properties that he owned and found out that he at one time had owned a restaurant about 10 mm-hmm. miles away. And mm-hmm. uh, as we got deeper into it, we found out that the restaurant had burned down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, what did they note that was due to? What did they we, note it was due to? I Do you remember what I, they said they cause was? I don't remember. I don't undetermined, I think, but I don't remember. No, electrical. Electrical. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's okay. not always electrical, people. <laughs> That means undetermined out in the boonies of, uh, yes. you know, Tennessee. It, it but, did. Uh, That's the equivalent. We also found out during the investigation that he was on vacation when that happened, too. Yes. Every time every time he had a loss, he was on vacation. When Dave so and I started we, digging this, that was one loss. What were the other losses we found out, Dave? Well, we did some more research and found out that the insured owned a building in near Knoxville. And we asked about that, and he says, well, it got knocked down by a trucker. And I said, okay, so over in Knoxville, Tennessee. Let me stop you there real quick. People, this building was a building on stilts leaning over the river. So when he says it got knocked down, yeah, creek. So when he says it got knocked down, the the truck had hit the stilts, pushing the entire building into the river, making it a total loss. Go ahead, Dave. He said, what? You get over to Knoxville, find out the address. I go there. And uh, it's it's nothing but a parking lot now, except for the fact that there was a sign stuck there. I took a sign because it was a computer sign for a guy to fix computers. And I knew I'd seen that phone <laughs> number before. That. And it turns out to be the guy downstairs' phone number. That's right. <laughs> so we go to, the, go to the fire department, police department, we get as many records as we can and photographs, whatever they have, and find out that it was actually a... a a motor vehicle accident. And lo and behold, the, the guy driving the truck happens to be the same guy that was downstairs at the time of our fire. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. So you're telling me his friend was there when he was out of town and the house burned down. And he was out of town when the building got pushed into the river. Did not a friend of mine. I'm just saying. So, yeah. A little bit of a quinky dink there, people. Just a little bit. So the sad, the sad part as we go through this, you know, we knew there was obviously issues here. So we went to the local police department, met with them, and their scenario was, you know, we we don't we don't do this. We don't do this investigation, and we're not going to do this. Yeah, and that doesn't happen. No, that's that's sad. So I mean, when no I say it doesn't there. happen, it doesn't happen from my side. I don't do that as a carrier, and for you know, law enforcement and, and authorities not to take a second look at stuff does happen, but it shouldn't. But you're right, Dave. We continued our investigation and finally found the uh, soon-to-be ex-wife of the insured. 
and I have a, a female associate investigator down in Tennessee. She met with her, and they had a heart-to-heart, and um, the wife said, you know what, I, I know he burned the building because he took stuff out of it before we went on vacation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and conversation, the conversation went back to, okay, we'll have you in for a statement, and we got our attorney involved, and we took her statement, and not only did she tell us that you know he took stuff out of the house before it burned, but the fact that he was actually testing candles for the length of time they would burn because he was going to burn the restaurant. And in her house by the fireplace, he was testing candles. And they went on vacation, and they stopped there on the way to the airport, and he set that one on fire also. Mm-hmm. She gave us, I mean, she gave us, she basically, we had a uh, book, if you will, with just certain chapters missing, and she was able to fill in those chapters to make it a complete book. But something that Dave did that was beyond invaluable on this investigation that I want to tell everybody about, because we only have uh, about a minute and a half left. As an examiner, I sit behind the desk, I ask for information, I use vendors such as Dave to gather the information to look at it. Dave takes it one step further, and he will take the examiner to the scene. I cannot tell you enough people, for you insurance folks with me, if you are investigating a claim for special investigations, you need to go look at the scene. That was beyond invaluable. Dave took me out there so that when we got to the point that we wanted to uh, resolve the claim and filed litigation, yada, yada, when they deposed me, I was able to say, look, I was out there. I could see that I could have run from this house to the neighbor's house, and I would have called 911. People, if you have a special investigation, work with your investigator, have them show you the scene, have them give you a lot of information. We're out of time here. Um, I want to thank everyone for joining in. Come join me next week on CYA with Rhonda. And Dave, thank you very much for coming on. Will you come back and tell us some more stories? Absolutely. By the way, we did it. convict the guy. We did convict that gentleman in, uh, yes. in court, criminal court. Yes. By the way, people, yes, we did win that one. Yay. We, we put an arsonist who ultimately confessed. So we were right and putting behind bars. And so we're going to help save everyone's premium money. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us on CYA with Rhonda. We're here to cover your assets, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week for CYA with Rhonda. Please join your host, Rhonda Lukey, again next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time as we talk insurance again on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, stay safe.